0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Sport Overload podcast. And today I'm delighted to have a man that I never expected to get on, um, Andy Friend. Welcome on, Andy.
1: Good to see you, Mark, and thanks for having me.
0: No problem. Uh, So we'll start this off by wishing you a belated happy birthday.
1: Thank you, mate. Yeah, you're very kind.
0: Um, I won't. I won't tell you who told me that. I'll Let's figure that out by yourself. Um, and I'd like to just start this off by like asking you. Uh, this way, I just like to ask you: like, was sport like also always big thing in your house, or what was the story there?
1: No, it was we. Um... We being my family, uh, my parents were both very sporty. Uh, I'm one of three brothers. Um, So you put that in the mix with sporty parents and the fact that we lived and were were raised predominantly in Australia, uh, where the sun is pretty much always shining and you're normally outside doing stuff. Um, Sport was a massive part of our life. So whether we weren't, if we weren't playing sport, we tended to be watching sport. Uh, And if we weren't able to be playing or watching sport, we tended to be um, probably wrestling and, boxing the heads off each other as, as three brothers do so we we're always very active uh, I was fortunate enough to as a young bloke move to um, to Switzerland and lived in Switzerland from the age of nine to 12 where we got into another sport which was skiing which I'd never we hadn't seen I hadn't seen snow before I left Australia so uh, Australia was always about rugby or well, actually it wasn't rugby it was soccer it was AFL it was cricket because we lived in we lived in Melbourne um, when we moved to Switzerland, it was then soccer and, and bike riding and skiing. And then we moved to the UK and that's when I, I was first introduced to rugby. But there's always been a theme of sport throughout my life uh, and throughout our family. And
0: what, what age did you get into rugby like?
1: My first game of rugby, I would have been 12, probably 12 and a half. Um, I played a lot of backyard rugby Uh, in front of thousands of people in my mind Um, there was obviously no one there but I was given a rugby ball when I was about 11 and for whatever reason I'd watched the game on telly and I'd um, I just fell in love with the game and uh, I remember in our backyard in Geneva Switzerland um, I was the Wallaby fullback and I was winning test matches for Australia every other afternoon kicking goals and making big tackles and uh yeah so i played that out a role played that in my mind for for probably about a year before i ended up playing my first game of rugby um so i had the the hook of rugby firmly in my mouth before i actually played my first game and when
0: when did like how did you end coaching
1: well i i I played um uh, but i had some serious knee injury so um, at the age of 16 I had my first knee injury which I taught my ACL but back then it wasn't the norm to go and get that done so I played for another two seasons without a, a, a an anterior cruciate ligament and then at the end of my uh, my year 12 of school I went and got a, a knee reconstruction um, and that's probably when my issues started to be honest with you uh, and as I tried to then work through the next three or four years I just had multiple injuries of you know, whether it was my knee went again, I had another another rupture of the ACL, I had an MCL, I had an a, a lateral ligament uh, release, I had uh, quad tears and hammy tears and all sorts of tears and in the end, at the age of 23, I probably realised that rugby wasn't, my body wasn't built for rugby but I loved it, so what else could I do and uh, at that stage, I just completed a, a degree in coaching and uh, I started coaching, so um, what was a disappointing end to my rugby career fast tracked me into coaching, and I, I picked up my first uh, rugby job at, at the age of twenty five.
0: And I know you've been uh, you've worked with Eddie Jones and a few more. Like, what was it like to work with Eddie Jones? And
1: that? yeah, Eddie was. Um, I first met Eddie in uh, in nineteen ninety nine. He he was. Uh, he interviewed me for a job in Japan, and I was lucky enough to then get that job. So we were—I was working there at Suntory, which is a big Japanese whiskey company, and they have a, a very good rugby team. Eddie had worked there previously. Eddie was at that stage the coach of the Brumbies, um, so Eddie employed me there or, or, or supported my application there, um, and then uh, he would—I would work for Suntory, and then I'd come back and do some work with Eddie at the Brumbies when he was the head coach of the Brumbies, and then. Um, when I, got, I came back in 2002 um, I moved into the Waratahs and Eddie was with the Wallabies and he then got me in as a, as a technical assistant at the Wallabies so our relationship goes back a long way, he, he's been a great mentor for me, he's been a great support for me um, and he's a, yeah, he's a very hard working impressive individual to be honest
0: and then I know you switched from 15s to sevens. I would have liked How did that come about, first of all? And then, how did you like, did you have to like think differently when you moved across? Like,
1: yeah, it's a totally different game. And I often say to people, it's a bit like, you know, there's, there's, uh, in rowing or or let's say in canoeing, you can, you can paddle on the fast water or you can, like, the still water, you can, you can paddle down a rapid. And, um, it's very similar to me in my way of thinking you can, you can play on the still water, which is, which is 15s, or you can, uh, you can jump in a, in a, in a canoe and paddle down the rapids, which is sevens fast moving and and really, really different. So how I got into that, I was, I was actually back at Suntory coaching there. Uh, it was in 2015. Um, my, my, uh, my wife had gone home back to Australia um, I needed to get back to Australia there was a I got a phone call saying that the Aussie sevens team were looking for a sevens coach and would I be interested in putting my name for it and uh, I said sure let's have a go so um, I went through the application process was interviewed and was lucky enough to get the job so that I came back to take up the position at the start of 2016 which was the start of the year that uh, the Olympics was, was being held in Rio de Janeiro. So um, in terms of my own um, uh, education in sevens, it was pretty much a uh, pretty steep learning curve, getting there and hold on tight and learn as much as you can, as quickly as you can, because it is such a different sport. So it, it totally revitalized my energy around rugby and, uh, and just thinking about the game I actually fell in love with the game of sevens. I think it's a brilliant game and I think it's got a, a really neat place in the rugby, underneath the rugby umbrella. Very, very different to 15s, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, it was a really, really intriguing two and a half years of my life.
0: And then you have came to go away where you are now. And what is that experience like been for you? Um, like, I you know, the weather isn't the best here and stuff like that. So what has the experience been like for you so far?
1: Yeah, it's funny, mate. Everyone talks about the weather, but um, I don't mind the weather. <laughs> I actually don't mind it. Yeah, you know, we've we just had a weekend where it's been absolutely stunning. Uh, and it's not all the time, but you know what? It is all the time like that in Australia and it gets pretty boring really does. I love the fact that we've got rain here because we don't get much rain back home. So my father's from the, from, from the land. We got my uncle, I got an uncle on the prop in property and um, you know, you die to have the rainfall that we get here. So I I don't mind the rain. Uh, You can always get dry. So uh, yeah, the weather hasn't bothered me. The, the city of Galway, I think is a stunning city. I've just been really, I've just been gutted that the last, you know, 14 months it hasn't really been open um, and that's that's on a personal level but also just for everybody whose businesses have been affected by this COVID um, so yeah we, we've been really welcomed here uh, Connaught as a as a as a rugby um, club has been fantastic for us I just think the West of Ireland have got a uh, the people in the West of Ireland got a uniqueness about them and a toughness about them that, that I really like and I think they they get the finer things in life, which is about community and it's about enjoyment and making the most out of things that other people might find hard, but they seem to get enjoyment out of it, which is what I like too. And obviously, I I want to stay away from this topic as much as possible,
0: uh, but how has COVID changed the way you train them, changed the whole thing in
1: yeah, I think, um, well, let's be honest, no one's wanted COVID, but at the same time, it's, it's been a, a brilliant opportunity to, to reflect and, and to look at how we were living. Um, I only just said to someone today, you know, upon reflection, we were busy fools. You know, we would, you'd get into work at seven o'clock and you'd leave at seven o'clock. And now we, we can't do that. You, you, you're asked not to come in unless you're meant to be there. And it's funny how much you know. So there, there was a twelve-hour day that we probably turned into a six-hour day, and I still feel like we're we're achieving as much as we were before. So you do things a little bit differently. I'd never heard of a Zoom call before COVID. Um, I'm now the master of Zoom. Well, I pretend to be the master of Zoom, uh, but I've been on some more more Zoom calls than I've probably had hot dinners you know, since COVID started. So um, it, it's. I think COVID has been a brilliant reset button for the whole world. Uh, I, I understand it's been a really, um, it's, you know, it's been a, a really sad time for a lot of people and a really difficult time for a lot of people. Um, but I think there's also, and there's always sadness and there's always hardship, no doubt about that. But I think out of COVID, if you put the the, the lens of positivity on that, we'll be a better race and we'll be a better world because of it.
0: Yeah, um, I'm just after seeing a question coming in there. See, I, I, ask, I ask people, like, do they have any questions for all my guests? Like, and I had a question there coming. in.
1: Um, it was just about, like, bonding a team. Yeah, the team is, you know, that, that's the key to it, isn't it? Like, the, there's many um, relationships, whether it's a husband-wife, whether it's a, a relationship within a team relationship. To me, the power of that is the is the, the ability, the connectivity of it and the ability to to get people um, to respect each other, to trust each other and understand each other. And how do you do that? It's it's easy said, it is difficult. But um, I think one of the things, again, go back to one of the positive things that I, I found in Connaught when I got here, there was a there was a tremendous bond already there amongst players and staff and a respect for each other. Um, yeah, you know, I think we've been able to build upon that, um, but it's definitely one of the things that I think is unique about Connor. There is a, a genuine affection for each other there and a care for each other there. I think that's really important within an organisation.
0: And like, have have you like had to like tweak your like way of coaching, like much between teams, like?
1: Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, and I think you're forever changing um, certain aspects of it. Bottom line is, like, I'll have my style. My style won't change fundamentally, but there's unique differences in, in different cultures, very different coaching here than it is in Japan, for example, different again in, in the UK and different again in Australia. So um, with each country that I've, I've been fortunate enough to work in, uh, you learn pretty quickly... Um, more about the culture that you're coming into and, and how to connect with people and, and how, to, uh, how to build rapport with people. And, but I think that's what coaching is all about. There is the, then there's the noughts and crosses of coaching. Um, I'm really fortunate, certainly at Connaught we've got a great coaching staff uh, and I'm at that stage of my career where I pretty much hand all that over to them and I get them to, to, to strut their stuff with that. So, you know, with Pete Wilkins leading defence Nigel Carroll leading our attack, Jimmy Duffy leading our forward play. Um, you know, we've got three great coaches there that uh, I've been sitting back supporting them and allowing them to do their stuff. So, um, you yeah, know, that's that's uh, in terms of the nitty gritty of of the way kind of play, the compliments um, you know need to be thrown in that direction.
0: Yeah, and um, I'm going to ask you about the game at the weekend. It was a great game to watch. I can tell you that. Um, what's your opinion? Obviously, you're very happy with the result. Um, what's what's your opinion on it?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Naturally happy with the result, uh, but more happy, more pleased with the performance. And, and as we all know, you know, as kind of as kind supporters of people that watch kind rugby. Um, Our previous three games hadn't been great, and in fact, I think the worst performance we put out all season was the Leicester performance, which was one that, you know, in in all of our build up for it, it was one that that really mattered to us. Um, But we didn't, we didn't front up that night, unfortunately. So when we headed into the Ulster, Ulster game, all the talk was around having to write that, having to to show ourselves importantly but also all of our family and supporters that you know the real of wasn't that um, so what was really pleasing coming out of the Kingspan on on Friday night was a, the win not many teams do it and in fact um, you know they've only been beaten on three occasions in the last two and a half years and, and Conard owned two of those uh, and, and Leinster owns the other one so we've achieved something that a lot of teams have gone there and haven't been able to achieve so that result was important but more important was the performance and the way that I thought we started really well. I thought we fell in a bit of a hole in the last 20 minutes of the first half. I thought we came out in the start of the second half and, and we're in a hole again. Um, and then we got ourselves back into the game. When they got that last score to go five points ahead uh, or four points ahead with, um, with, uh, with about six minutes to go, it would have been really easy to see us fall in a hole again and say, oh, we've worked pretty hard for 74 minutes, but let's throw in the towel, but we didn't. And that's the comment that I love. I love the fact, you know, one of the things we talk about is 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 we, we outwork opposition and we stay in the fight. We find a way to get something done. And we certainly did that on, uh, on Friday night. And that was really pleasing to see that back um, on the rugby field. And what do you think about these
0: no, rules that they've brought
1: in for the Rainbow Cup. I love the fact that we're trying them I think um, the game of rugby has to has to uh, attempt to you know to, to try different things um, because I think the game's always evolving so if I look at the goal line dropout uh, fine quite comfy with that I'm quite comfy with the fact that I'd much prefer to see a kick out from the from the goal line than another five meter scrum um, so I have no issue with that. Uh, I think, you know, in terms of um, a goal line dropout as opposed to a 22, well, if you've been smart enough to put the ball in the, in the dead ball and they tap it down, yeah, let them, let them restart from the goal line, not the 22, because a good kick is going to throw you all the way back in, into your half of the field. And what tends to happen is then you kick the ball back. So in, any of those sort of law adjustments that invite more attack in rugby, I think is good for the game. I think the captain's challenge, as we saw on Friday night, um, I think the way uh, our boys used it and the way Owen Masterson went about asking the referee was exactly why the rule was brought in. Uh, so I thought that was a brilliant challenge and I thought you know, it allowed us um, or gave us another opportunity to, to stay in the game and to try and go and win the game, which we ended up doing. So I think you know, on the first night of Rainbow Cup, there was a great example of why that law was brought, why that rule was brought in. I thought also, we also saw in that game the negativity of it. So don't use it to try and get a, a player sent off. Um, I thought that was poor. Uh, and then, and then we saw, you know, the next night a little bit of the confusion around: can something that hasn't been decided upon be challenged? So there, there's some teething prob- problems with it. But um, yeah, there was enough. For us, well, certainly from a from a kind of point of view, to say, yeah, we like that new law. Um, keep it in there for us, please.
0: <laughs> yeah, and um, I was gonna touch on that negative point of the captain challenge, but I didn't want to bring in
1: negative into it, but um, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, it's a reality of it. it. You know, it's a reality. I think I think the way the game you know, we've got to be careful with the game of rugby. The, the game of rugby has always been physical, it's always been tough. We need to protect players, no doubt about that. We need to protect players, but I don't want us to go down the route of soccer where people ta- start taking dives and people start trying to, you know, show negativity uh, in order to or, or, or fake stuff in order to, uh, you know, to dismiss another player. That's not rig- what rugby's about. If you want to do that, go and play soccer. But, you know, rugby's about um, playing fair and square to the laws must protect the players so there's foul play um, and we're attacking somebody's head no, not, no place in the game um, you know there's, you don't take people out in the air you don't punch, you don't spit you don't do all those sort of things you know, that, that's, to me that's the obvious stuff but, and if you get hit fair and square well then just cop it you get hit fair and square don't try and find fault in what someone has done if they hit you fair and square
0: yeah, um, I can agree with you there. Um, well, um, I'm very excited to see what Mac Anson can bring to the table.
1: Yeah, I think Mac's going to be uh, another great addition to us. Um, you know, he's, a really, he's a young player, but he's a very exciting young player. Uh, we, most of us have only ever seen him play in the back three, but he actually started his rugby career as a number 10. And that was one of the things that um, that certainly appealed to me, that he can play ten. Uh, he's got a kicking game. He's got a lovely passing game. He's elusive. He's brave in his defence. Um, but we need players that kind of that can play multiple positions and uh, versatility for for a rugby player kind of is 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 important. You know, I think sometimes players can, um, well, certainly over the last probably. Five or six years, players have tried to avoid to be, you know, be, be called or be deemed a, a utility player, um, because it hasn't bode well for them. But uh, I think certainly in our program, the way, you know, we don't have the numbers that other other programs have, we have to have players who are versatile, um, and we're starting to see that. You know, you're starting to see that with Tom Daly, who's who is who can play 12. He came to us predominantly as a 12, but he can now play 13, and then we can chuck him into 10 if we choose to. Sammy Arnold can play 10, or sorry, 12. You can play 13. You can chuck him on the wing. Alex Whitten can play on the wing. You can play him at fullback. Johnny Porch, you can do similar. Um, so, a lot of those blokes now, they're starting to become quite versatile in where they can play. And Max, is, he's another one that's going to come in. You can play him on left wing. You can play him on the right wing. You can chuck him at fullback. You can play him at 10. I've no doubt you could therefore chuck him at 12 and 13 too. So, um, having that versatility for us is, is, is a real plus.
0: Yeah. And, some of the players that you have brought in have just been class, like oh O'Donnell, he's playing good. Um
1: Yeah, and I think I actually think that's part of Connor's DNA. I think you know one of the things that first appealed to me when I watched um Connor when I was preparing for my interview was was the style in which they played. So as we know. Um, the weather's not the kindest here, but it doesn't stop at wanting to play rugby, which, which, is, which is why, in my view, William Weather, Ellis picked up the ball because he was so bored of kicking the bloody thing. So he picked the thing up and ran. So if that's what started the game of rugby, then that's the way we should continue to play it, in my view. So, um, and then, of course, as I shared before, I fell in love with the game of servants, which is all about expressing yourself with the rugby ball. So my type of rugby is, I understand that you need a set piece and you need to kick and there has to be defence, but the game is about advancing the ball up the field. And if you can do that through good skill and running, go for your life, do it. So yeah, what you'll tend to find there, Mark, is the players that we're looking for and the way we coach here is about uh, exposing that at the same time, respecting that kicking is really important as is our set piece stuff. So we just try and find the balance with that. In our game,
0: yeah. Um, what would be, what would you be thinking now going into Leinster? Um, no, not next week, but the week after. Well,
1: it's a great, another great opportunity for us. Uh, you know, I said to a couple of players over the last couple of days, we um, we could become the first kind team to beat uh, Leinster home and away. That'd be brilliant in, in one season because we've, we've done the hard bit, knocked them off away. Um, now let's have a pop at them at home. And if we could be that team, well, there's another little milestone that we, that, uh, that we can create. So uh, same time, yeah, Leinster, as we know, uh, they'll be disappointed that we knocked them off at the RDS. They're a massively impressive rugby team. Um, they've got depth all through their squad. Uh, they'll be disappointed with the Munster performance. They're heading into a game against La Rochelle this weekend where you know they're going to bring their number one game let's wait and see what happens with that. And then we'll, uh, we'll see how we choose to, to choose to want to pick them apart the following Saturday.
0: Yeah. um, So I don't have any more to say. Uh, I didn't want to keep it too long. So I'll leave the last part to you if you want.
1: No, good on you, mate. Listen, it's always, always good to chat. And always, um, I applaud you for doing what you're doing, mate. You've, stepped out of your comfort zone, no doubt, and you've uh, you've decided to take on running podcasts, which is impressive. Um, so well done for doing what you're doing. Um, and for all of our, our supporters out there, I hope they keep supporting you and I hope they keep supporting connaught Rugby. It's it's uh, it's a great little, um, it's a great community we have here. And, and I love the fact that rugby's been able to, to help people get through COVID. Uh, we actually take a lot of pride in being the only sport that's been allowed to be played at the moment and we take a lot of responsibility with that it's been tricky as a as a pro coaching staff and players um, you know to to adhere to all the guidelines and all the rules that have been going on as, as the majority of the population have um, we feel privileged that we've been able to keep, to keep working uh, and we just can't wait to get people back to the sports ground so In due course, that will happen. Um, I'd love to hear that the fields of Athenry Rye be belted out around the sports ground again and a a full house there to to hopefully kick off the Rainbow Cup 2021-22, which will hopefully begin sometime in October.
0: Well, I can assure you, Andy, I absolutely cannot wait to get back to the sports ground. And as you said, um, rugby has helped me through lockdown and stuff like that, just it's been great to watch us. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for coming on. I honestly never expected to get someone of your uh, caliber and stuff like that on.
1: So. I'm- well, you were you were brave enough to ask the question, mate. So you're brave enough to ask me whether whether I would come on, and uh, if anyone's ever brave enough. I'll give him a positive answer. Yeah, so I'm just completely blown away, and yeah, once again,
0: I'd just like to say thank you so much for coming on, and best luck against Anster and in the remainder of the Rune lookup. Good on you,
1: mate. And
0: hopefully, I'll see you before too long.
1: Yeah, let's let's hope we do catch up, and uh, and well done again for for doing your podcast and. Well done again for asking the question you never know unless you never go
0: yeah once again i'd like to say a big thank you to andy friend for coming on and giving up his time to have a chat with me Uh, it was very enjoyable and i'd just like to wish him and everyone at clinic rugby all the best for the future